Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Father, thank you so much. Thank you for sending us the Lord Jesus Christ to save us from our sins. And then, Lord, thank you for sending us the Holy Spirit to teach us about him. And so now, Lord, we're ready to learn In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, turn to Genesis chapter 32, verse 9. Genesis chapter 32, verse 9. Verse 9, Genesis 32, here we go. And Jacob said, this is his prayer, and Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, the Lord which said us to me, return unto thy country and to thy kindred, and I'll deal well with thee. I am not worthy of the least of all the mercies and of all the truth which thou hast shown unto thy servant. For with my staff I passed over this Jordan, and now I am become two bands. Deliver me, I pray thee, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, lest he will come and smite me and the mother with the children. And thou saidest, I will surely do thee good and make thy seed as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. And he lodged there that same night and took of that which came to his hand a present for Esau, his brother. 200 she-goats, 20 he-goats, 200 ewes, 20 rams, 30 milk camels with their colts, 40 kine, 10 bulls, 20 she-asses, and 10 foals. And he delivered them into the hand of his servants every drove by themselves and said unto his servants, Pass over before me and put a space betwixt drove and drove. And he commanded the foremost, saying, When Esau my brother meeteth thee and asketh thee, saying, Whose art thou? Whither goest thou? Whose are these before thee? Then thou shalt say, They be thy servant Jacob's. It is a present sent unto my lord Esau, and behold, also he is behind us. And so commanded he the second and the third, and all that followed the droves, saying, On this manner shall you speak unto Esau when you find him. And say ye moreover, Behold, thy servant Jacob is behind us, for he said, I will appease him with the present that goeth before me, and afterward I will see his face. Peradventure he will accept of me. So went the present over before him, and himself lodged that night in the company. And he rose up that night and took his two wives and his two women servants and his eleven sons and passed over the ford Jabbok. And he took them and sent them over the brook and sent over that he had. And Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. Okay, now, so far, we're looking at the strategy that Jacob has adopted here. He's embraced the strategy for how he's going to be reconciled with his brother Esau. We could call this strategy the present strategy, the gift strategy, the present strategy. And we see now, Jacob, he put a lot of thought into this present or gift strategy. He not only thought carefully of what the present should be that he's going to send to Esau, but he thought about the presentation of it all. 
You know, the present, the present, it doesn't sound right to say the presentation of the present. So the presentation of the gift. He thought it all out. It was a very detailed present or gift strategy that he thought out. He thought through the content. We see that in verses 14 through 15. All these animals, 580 of them, 200 uh, does and 20 billy goats and 200 ewes and 20 rams and the milk camels with their little colts and the 40 kine and the 10 bulls and, and the, the donkeys. And for all this gift strategy, this present strategy, Jacob has also given a lot of thought to the order in which they were to be given, carefully defined which ones should go first. And in this gift strategy, it describes the presentation by the word drove. Droves, that appears. That's a key word in his gift strategy. And you see that drove used that word three times in verse 16. And he delivered them into the hand of his servants, every drove by themselves, and said unto his servants, pass over before me and put a space between drove and drove. So what we see here is that is Jacob has organized this animal gifts into sets, which are called droves. And right in front of each drove, he's got a, a servant, and he's commanded the servant, he's rehearsed with the servant. So the servant's like a living card on the, on the present. And, this, and the servant has the same words. This present is to Lord Esau, it's from servant Jacob. So in Jacob's gift strategy, his present strategy there, Jacob had the present going from the smallest to the least, you know, or the least expensive to the largest or most expensive animals. This is all part of his strategy, his gift strategy. And the spacing is critical because the spacing between the droves is designed with the time, enough time in between. So Esau has enough time to figure out just how expensive those animals were. It reminds me of our company president in Japan, former company president, he retired. But anyways, Dr. Myogasan. And he would accompany, on all, accompany me on all my business trips to customers in Japan. Or, or, and, and then they would fly over here for special meetings in the U.S. when, when Japanese customers would come to a special meeting and visit me in the U.S. He'd fly over. And what he used to do, what was customary, is that, is that the customers would, would, all, would give a gift, give a present at the beginning of the meeting, you know. Well, most of the time, the presents were, they were nice, but, you know, they weren't extremely valuable or anything, you know. But sometimes, for some special meetings, they would give a very special and valuable gift. Like when we opened our building in Takati, uh, Sumitomo-san came with a $2,000 kimono doll in a glass cabinet. Still have it. Don't know what I'm doing with it, but I have it, you know. And so whenever there was this valuable present it was given to me, he would always, standing next to me, he would say out loud, everyone could hear him, oh, expensive present. <laughs> he would say, expensive present. So that was my clue to give many thank yous for that present. You know, since he retired, I missed the cues, you know. No, but any, no one's given me any expensive presents, so I guess it all worked out. Anyway, Jacob's organization of having these animals in droves with sufficient separation between the droves was designed for Esau carefully to consider the value and to say, oh, expensive present. You know? So you have to really picture this with all the drama 
to get the full impact of what Jacob's doing here. Jacob has planned lots of drama in this gift strategy here. He's hoping to soften Esau's heart with each drove where the animals become more and more dramatic with each one after one and their restatement of the gift card. You know, this is a present to Lord Esau from servant Jacob. And this is all designed to just soften his angry heart with all these droves. And then at last comes the grand climax You know, it kind of reminds me of, I mean, Jacob composing this present reminds me of like Ravel composing Bolero, you know, it starts off slow and then it builds up in this grandeur and reaches this grand crescendo. And with all this drama, the goats and the sheep and the camels, there's this big crescendo coming. And when we come to verse 20, when it says, he said, it means he was thinking to himself, Jacob, verse 20, what did he think? He thought, I will appease him. It really means in Hebrew, it says, I will cover his face. What does it mean he's going to cover his face? It means Jacob is going to cover Esau's face from Jacob's past offenses. I mean, this is another place where Jacob's talking about faces. You know? There's so much reference to faces in Jacob. Jacob is so worrying about faces. You know, it started, remember, in the last chapter, Genesis 31, 2, where it says, And Jacob beheld the face, the countenance of Laban. And behold, it was not toward him as before. I mean, we could title these chapters Faces, and that would be good. It all started back then, Genesis 31. Jacob read the face of Laban, and now he's concerned about what's on the face of Esau. And next, Jacob's going to be concerned about what's on the face of God. And all this is because Jacob feels this grand insecurity about how others feel about him from their faces starting back in Laban, ending with God. And this answers the great question, why did God let Jacob see his face? Nobody saw faces of God, the face of God. I mean, very few did, I should say. Why did God let Jacob get to see his face? Because God saw how important it was for Jacob to see his face and read from God's face just how God felt about Jacob. And Jacob was desperate to see uh, how, what God thought about him, to see the face of God. As a matter of fact, Jacob's preoccupation with faces is also seen in verse 20 when it says, with the present that goeth before me. With, with literally, that statement, with the present that goes before me, in Hebrew it says, with the present that goes before my face. So verse 20 is very remarkable because Jacob is using this word face three times he says that Jacob, Esau's face should be covered to not see Jacob's offenses and his guilt. And Jacob should behold the face of Esau and be comforted by seeing a good face on Esau. And then Jacob, when he says, he will accept of me, literally it's reading that Esau should lift up Jacob's face. All his faces. So ever since Uncle Laban's face was against Jacob, he's just preoccupied with faces. Now, Jacob's now got the present. He's got it all set up, and it comes in verse 20. It's a time for, this is a time for Jacob now to put a lot of thought, a lot of action, actually, putting this present together. And so it's a time for Jacob just to step back and just look at it and think about it, and more, more most importantly, think about the success of it. Is it going to work? And that's what verse 20 is. He say, say, moreover, behold, thy servant Jacob is behind us. Then, he, for he said, I will appease him, 
with the present that goeth before me. Afterward, I'll see his face. For adventure, he will accept of me. Now, you look at verse 20. What are the three goals that Jacob has that he wants to achieve with his present from verse 20? And he wants to appease them. The present should appease Esau. What's the second one? That's it. I will see his face. That's the second one. And the third? He's going to accept me. That's it. So when you look at that in verse 20, you think, you think that Jacob feels confident in his present strategy that it's going to accomplish these three goals? What do you think? Definitely when he says, I will appease him. Definitely when he says, I will see his face. But not so definitely when he says, peradventure, he will accept me, right? I mean, so what do we give Jacob? We give Jacob two out of three? (laughs) 66% confidence rating for Jacob for this present strategy, his gift strategy. So Jacob has put a lot of thought into this present, a lot of, you know, uh, work. But when you look at verse 20, which is Jacob's assessment of his present strategy, and we give him a 66% confidence rating here. So there's just one simple word that's conspicuously missing from what Jacob says about his gift strategy. What's that word? What's the one simple word that you do not see in verse 20 when he's talking about his gift strategy is going to be successful? No, that you don't see. You wish you see, but you don't see. Let me give you a hint. It has three letters. It's not and. <laughs> it's not the. That's it. That's it. Where's God? Where's God in his confidence? See? Instead of referencing God in verse 20 in his gift strategy, who does he reference four times? Himself. I will appease him. The present that goes before me, I will see his face. He will accept of me. See, what's so sadly missing from what Jacob is saying in verse 20 of these statements is that we don't read, God will appease him. You know, we don't read, God's going to bless the present that goes before me. You know, we don't read, God's going to make me to see his face. We don't read, God will make him accept of me. See, in verse 20, there's just no dependence or reliance on God. There's no reference to God. But what there is in verse 20 is Jacob depending and relying on himself. Now keep that in mind, that Jacob has done all the right things, especially in this wonderful prayer that he did in the verses 9 through 12. See, before Jacob started on his gift strategy, Jacob prayed in verses 9 through through 12, you see. It was good that Jacob prayed in verses 9 through 12 before he started his gift strategy. It was a good prayer. We called it out before in verses 9 through 12. It was complete with a specific calling on God, with a specific humiliation, humility before God, with a specific confession of his own weakness, with specific requests for what he wanted God to do, and most importantly, specific arguing or pleading the word of God in his prayer. It was a good prayer. It was a really good prayer. All that was very good, very, very good. I mean, just one problem with Jacob. I mean, again, timing of the prayer, perfect, before he did anything, verses 9 through 12. Content of the prayer, perfect, before he did anything, verses 9 through 12. Just one problem, 
and it all comes to us in verse 20. Even though Jacob has prayed in verses 9 through 12, Jacob, in verse 20, is not relying on God. Even though Jacob has prayed in verses 9 through 12, Jacob, in verse 20, is not depending on God. Jacob, in verse 20, says nothing about what God's going to accomplish. Jacob, in verse 20, says everything about what Jacob is going to accomplish. So what we're seeing here in these verses, 9 through 12 and 20, is the difference between praying, uh, praying on the outside because I'm desperate, but on the inside, not really relying and depending on God. So what we're seeing in verses 9 through 12, verse 20, is the difference between unbelieving prayer and believing prayer. Jacob has prayed beautifully, a model prayer. We could copy this prayer. This is a wonderful prayer. This is a perfect prayer. But he has no faith in his prayer. Jacob has asked, but he doesn't believe. You know, at the company right now, we're under attack with lawsuits from former employees. And I was telling John how the Lord gave me a promise about these lawsuits that he gave to Abraham in Genesis 15:1, when he said, fear not, Abram, I am thy shield. And then John says, now we have to really believe that. <laughs> That's the difference between believing prayer and unbelieving prayer. I mean, Jacob prayed, but it was not a believing prayer. Because believing prayer will always result in dependence and reliance on God. So, what happens when there's non-believing prayer? Well, that can be seen in the next verse, verse 21 through 22. So went the present over before him, himself lodged that night in the company, and he rose up that night and took his two wives and his two women servants, his 11 sons, and passed over the ford Jabbok. Here's the words, verse 23. Himself lodged that night. Sorry, sorry verse 21. Himself lodged that night. Verse 22, he rose up that night. See, notice in verse 20 how it says, so went the present before him. That means his gift strategy, his present strategy was, it was launched, it was underway. So what's the last thing that Jacob has to do? He's got all his bases covered. He prayed beautifully, verses 9 through 12. He devised his strategy, his gift strategy, verses 13 through 19. He launches his gift strategy, verse 21, with the word, so went the present over before him. He's done everything he needed to do. He prayed, he planned, he acted. But there was nothing left really for him to do but go to sleep, right? He's tired. Himself lodged that night. Nothing left for him to do but to go to sleep. And having prayed, planned, and acted, he should have been in a position like King David described in Psalm 4, 8. I will both lay me down in peace, and sleep, for the Lord only makes me dwell in safety. Having prayed, planned, and acted, he should have been in the position that King Solomon described in Proverbs 3.24. When thou liest down, thou shalt not be afraid, yea, thou shalt lie down, and thy sleep shall be sweet. But what happened? In verse 22, he rose up that night and took his two wives and two women's service lives and so forth. What happened? He couldn't sleep. Jacob can't sleep. Why can't Jacob sleep? He prayed, he planned, he had acted. What's wrong? Verse 20 is wrong. He's prayed to God. He hasn't relied on God. He's prayed to God. He hasn't depended on God. Jacob 
has kept in mind, kept in his mind, has kept his mind on God during his prayer. But Jacob hasn't stayed his mind on God after his prayer with reliance and dependence on God. So he doesn't get the peace that's promised. The peace is promised in Isaiah 26, 3 and 4. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is held, stayed on God, or held on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. The issue here is trust. The issue here is dependence. The issue here is reliance on. Jacob can't sleep because Jacob doesn't have perfect peace. Jacob doesn't have perfect peace because Jacob has not stayed or held his mind on God. Jacob is not staying his mind on God because Jacob is not trusting in God. Jacob prayed. Jacob can't sleep. Jacob doesn't have peace. Prayed, can't sleep. Not trusting in God. This is exactly what happens to us. We can take what we just said here about Jacob, plug our name in. We can do that. We have a tremendous problem. Like Jacob, we pray. Timing of our prayer, perfect before we do anything else. Content of our prayer, flawless. But then we can't sleep because we don't have perfect peace. We don't have perfect peace because we haven't stayed or held our mind on God. We haven't stayed our wandering mind on God because we're not really trusting in God. We prayed. Others have prayed also with us. Well, we can't sleep because we don't have peace. We prayed. We can't sleep because we're not really trusting in God. We know that Jacob is not trusting God because in verse 20, Jacob is not talking about God. He doesn't talk about him all. He's only talking about himself. And he's got that one word, Jerry, that you brought up, peradventure. He's kind of filled with the maybes. It's not really faith in God. Faith in God is not peradventure and maybes. So Jacob, in his beautiful prayer, has taken the same position of the father of the sick child in Mark 9, 17, where we read this history, one of the multitude answered and said to the Lord Jesus, Master, I brought unto thee my son, which had the dumb spirit, wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, he foameth, he gnasheth with his teeth, he pineth away, and I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out. They could not. He answereth and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And they brought him unto him, and when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him, he fell on the ground, wallowed, foaming. He asked his father, how long is that ago since this came unto him? He said of a child, oftentimes it has cast him into the fire, into the waters, and destroy him. If thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said unto him, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. Straightway the father of the child cried out, with, said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. When Jesus saw the people come running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him, enter no more into him. The spirit cried, rent him sore, came out of him. He was as one dead, insomuch that many said, He's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up, and he arose. A desperate father who did the right thing in bringing his son to the Lord Jesus. But when the desperate father said, If thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us, that's unbelief. And it was not like he didn't come. He came. But it was like non-believing coming. It was prayer without faith. It wasn't total reliance on God. It wasn't dependence on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's Jacob in verse 20. The Lord Jesus Christ corrects the Father with the words, If thou canst believe, 
All things are possible to him that believeth. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Now, Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org, or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor, founder of Israel Restoration Ministries and our Bible teacher on the Friendship with God radio program, has created the Friendship with God Study and Reference Bible. It's a King James Study and Reference Bible with over 2,200 total pages, 13.5 point large font, and has over 600 pages of Bible helps and resources. It has Hebrew root notations in the Old Testament and over 30,000 Bible column and inline scripture references. It also includes daily bread reading notations, a tour of the Bible scripture journey, 12 custom-made full-color maps, and a full-color nine-page History of Israel timeline map. Not to mention incredible concordance and the most popular Bible scripture references section, Bible reference help section, and hundreds and hundreds of other personalized pages from Tom Cantor to grow your friendship with God. It's printed on Finland thin paper printing technology and covered in a black lambskin leather cover with gold lettering. To order your Friendship with God study and reference Bible, go to our homepage on friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org.